Welcome back to Today with Dr. K. I'm Dr. K. Wise Whitehead. 26 years ago, the Million Man March took place in Washington, D.C., organized by Minister Louis Farrakhan, where he called on a million black men to come to Washington, D.C., to take a pledge to lead our community, to be the linchpin in their families, the linchpin in their communities to help to build black businesses, black hospitals, to never call women the B word again and to stand up and be the hedge that we need. I want to connect that Million Man March was in 1995, connect it back and then connect it forward, connect it back to what happened in 1968 with the release of the Kerner Commission where they said that you know, there, there's a gap in our community. There's a gap that's happening in our community. We're not talking about the fact that white racism caused it, because they did call that out. But they said in order to turn our community around, we need to deal with housing, we need to deal with employment, we need to deal with our schools. Turning those areas around. Louis Farrakhan said that these are the areas that black men need to stand up and make sure we're moving in the right direction. 26 years later, are we going in the right direction? I'm joined now by some black men who were actually at the Million Man March. Uh, we have Coach Chauncey Whitehead, who's celebrating 20 years as a fitness expert here in Baltimore, Maryland. Coach Whitehead, how are you? Coach Chauncey, are you with us, sir? Yes, I'm here, Dr. K. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I'm just so happy to have you on. I'll be very transparent. This is my own personal coach, so I have a lot of affection for Coach Chauncey. Thank you for joining us. I'm also joined by Dr. Lamar Shields, who attended the march as a, a new teacher and took his students with him. Dr. Shields, how are you? Hey, Dr. K. Thanks for having me on. Sister. Absolutely. Nice Welcome back here. to the show. And then, Dr. Shields, I want to allow you to introduce our next guest, Henry. Wow, I used to call him Slim Bram, one of my favorite all-time students representing the great Baltimore City College High School, a young man who many people said was visually impaired, let me just be real clear, but had more sight than anybody I knew in the city. He and several of the students was a part of the Umoja organization that I started when I, when I set foot in Baltimore in 1994, so I'm excited that Brother Henry Bram decided to hang out with us today. So, Brother Henry, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. And so, Henry, I'm going to start with you, because you attended, how old were you when you attended the March on Washington? I, I was 16 years old. 16 years old. So as a young man, watching and experiencing that, when you see people like Allende Jean Baptiste, who was about 13, 14, when he was up there speaking, what was the experience like for you? Well, for me, um, I have. To, let me preface it by saying I was there, um, but not able to physically see, but to feel the energy, mm. to feel the love, to feel the excitement, to feel the positive um, love that and, and, and vibrant uh, uh, that everyone had from the moment you stepped off the subway uh, to walking, you know, past uh, Howard University. Um, you know, it was just love everywhere, and and, and to be sixteen. Not knowing that it was well, realizing it was a historical moment, but not realizing that you were a part of history within itself was an awesome feeling. And so, Coach Chauncey, I want to come to you because I want you to to share with our audience the story you were telling me at the gym this morning about your son on your shoulders, and then your experience at the Million Man March because you were living in Virginia then, so you came up from the other end into D.C. 
Right, right, Dr. K. I was living in Alexandria, Virginia. We left out that morning, 4.30 a.m., caught the yellow line from Huntington to downtown to the orange line to Smithsonian. <laughs> Me, my son, and three other brothers, and we met up with some other brothers. And the story about my son, he was seven years old at that time. And remember, we got there at about 6.15, 6.30 a.m., and I had him on my shoulders because the, the crowd, the, the men started coming in. But I can remember about two hours into the program, brother I didn't even know tapped me on my shoulder and said, bro, we got him. Whenever you get tired, we just put him on my shoulder. Mm. And that was just love. So for those 12 hours, other black men that I didn't even know would have my son on their shoulders so he could see the speakers. That was just that, I, that still sticks with me to that day, to this day. Now, what was the chant? Because I was trying to share it earlier. Uh, you said your son was even doing the chant for Farrakhan. we still talk about it. He's 32 years old. And the chant was, black men united will never be defeated. Black men united will never be defeated. And he would say that, and he said that on the subway. And here we are. I still remember that chant. And the chills listening to my son raise his fist and, and cheer it right along with all the other brothers. And so, Dr. Shields, I come to you. Uh, you were a new teacher. You took a, a group of young brothers down there. But but how did that experience shape you? What was that like for you? Well, you know, I'm just smiling from ear to ear listening to Chauncey because, you know, he came. we probably were on the same train and met each other maybe yeah. seven years <laughs> after that. The experience was unbelievable. I need to thank, first of all, shout out to Kurt Schmoke, who was the mayor at the time, Shout out to Dr. Dr. Walter Amper, who was a mentor to me, who was like a father to me, who gave all black men in the city an opportunity to take off that day to go to the Million Man March. So two black men, one running the school, one running the city, says a lot about their character. So i got to give them that opportunity. It, it blew me away. I grew up as a kid, you know, grew up around the Nation of Islam, grew up in Chicago. I knew the minister from being a kid. Um, I knew the power that he welled because of hip-hop music at that time. But to just set foot in Baltimore after being at Grandma State University, coming from Chicago, and the year after that, meeting Henry and Chris and Kalisha and so many of my other students that I had, I said, when this day happens, I am going to take you. And Because I was always the same. I was the same teacher at home that I was in the classroom. My kids knew, the kids I had, they knew I had, that I was serious about business, that my life, was almost an open book for them to see. And I knew that I was going to put them around some people that was going to respect them and pour into them. So it was a life-changing experience. But I need to, I need to give a, a, a historical caveat because a lot of people don't know this. The minister Farrakhan called the march. And I always have to say this, but my pastor, Willie F. Wilson, in Union yes. Temple Baptist Church was the major organizer. This march was organized in Union Temple's church. And I always have to reference that because if you call the minister Farrakhan right now, if he says, who is my minister, everybody in the nation of Islam will tell you, Pastor Wilson is my minister. So it was these two black men who come from two different faiths who said that we're going to do this together. And I'm so honored that I fellowship with, Dr. with Pastor Wilson because I knew what was happening in that basement. And when Minister Farrakhan made the call, he knew who to call first. And Pastor Wilson took a back seat. But I always have to correct people when it comes to that history. The Minister Farrakhan called the march, but when you talk about the lead organizer, it was Pastor Wilson in Union Temple Baptist Church. And, and, and I took Henry. Henry has been to Union Temple Baptist Church because of his strong African history. 
So when you talk about 1995, I think about all the people that were there after that, Dr. K, another historical moment, the Park Service stopped counting people. After 1995, they stopped counting people because they knew we had a million plus. Not only was celebrities there like Will Smith, Stevie Wonder, Macy Gray, Regina, you know, Bell, Obama, Puffy. It was regular folks who were coming there. And as the brother said earlier, no fighting, no disagreement. We were there in love. It was one of the largest movements outside of what Marcus Garvey did in New York City. And so, again, when people say nothing happened, I moved to this city and all my brothers, Kobe Little, Eartha Harris, my brother Derek Chase, Every Kumasi, everybody that I met that I rolled with, Dr. K, I met at that Million Man March. And Henry will tell you, he knew all of these, these young people. They were young people at the time, but now they're older men. And I exposed my students at a very young age. And Henry is now continuously doing the work right now. Just like Allende, the speaker. Allende went on to Morehouse College. People don't know that. He went on to Morehouse College. One of my students, Keon Giroux, who went to Morehouse in Princeton, Million Man March. So when people say nothing happened after the march, I don't know who they're talking about because our circle are, is, is amazing and you bring in the right people to talk about it uh, today. So I'm always excited to celebrate that day because it was an unbelievable day. Well, let me ask you, Henry, as someone who was could be you know, really shaped by this march, 16 years old, really starting out on your path. How has the march or the pledge that was made that day, how has it influenced some of the decisions that you've made? Well, um, and let's say I was 16 at 95. Uh, I did not know that four years later I'll be buying a home at the age of 20. Wow. Um, mm. Also, at that same time, my, my firstborn, uh, Khalil, he was born in 99, and I got married to my wife at that time, um, and we had our second child, who was our daughter, in 2000, and we actually took our children to the Million Family March mm. um, as well. So... When it came time to be a father to my children, I shared uh, with, you know, as they was growing up, the experiences of 95, saying, you know what, just because you turn on the news and you hear that black people are killing each other, you see the, the demise in our community, there is a level of love that we do have that's in, the, in all of us. And that experience from 95 allowed me to um, become a great father of four now, um, uh, un- unfortunately, my brother got murdered in 2012, and I'm raising his two sons now. So it, w- it was that um, manhood that was instilled in-, in us at 16 that showed me that regardless of what your circumstances, you can make the best of it. You could be a victim or you'd be victorious. And I've turned all of my tragedies into triumphs. Be- and-, and that that moment, uh, in, uh, October 16th of 95, was a pivotal stepping stone for me to graduate to that manhood. Coach Chauncey, as someone who took their son to the march, how did that experience, um, how did it shape your relationship with your son? How did it change your experience with your son in terms of what advice you gave him or or the way that you've moved forward since that day? You know, I can remember when I came back with my son, and he was seven. And throughout that year, sometimes he would would bring up, he he would mention the march, uh, he would talk about the chant, and then I would explain to him, you know, what it meant and how powerful it was to see black men coming together peacefully. He didn't know a whole lot about violence at that time, but then as he got older, we would reflect when he became a teenager, and, you know, he started hearing about, you know, violence and, and things like that, 
and, and how important it is to be the leader in your community, be the change that you talk about. And I noticed that he started to have that, uh, uh, what is it, that activism side where he started to pay more attention to what was going on in Alexandria, what was going on in D.C., how he could be involved, how he could help. He liked the type of activism and volunteering that I was doing in the community. And, and usually once a year or so we would talk about the Myanmar March and, and the experience that we had together as a father and son and the other black men he did not know showing him love, not violence and contempt, but love. He, will, he has never forgotten that. Let me ask you, Dr. Shields, before I bring Principal Whitehead into the conversation, that your relationship with your own son, do you take anything from the march, particularly as we're getting, we're at that point where there's an event happening tomorrow. How do you take those lessons into conversations with your son? Well, my son, of course, was named Mosiah Sekou, named after the great Marcus Garvey. All of my children have strong names, names with meanings. All of my children are involved in some level of activism uh, in their life. They grew up around these conversations. They've been to organize. They've been to they've been to rallies. They've been to organizations that are focusing on self justice issues. We just had a conversation yesterday. You know, our, your son and my son tell you know very similar upbringing. You know, with 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 your family going to private schools, talking about the struggle of being there. So we have these conversations, and I push them to have these conversations because I feel it's my responsibility as their Bob, as they call me, their father, to talk about some of the things that they're going to be faced with and give them some of the options and not just having to agree with me, but to push me. And you just said tomorrow, tomorrow we have the sunrise prayer at Druid Hill Park. The Sister Eartha has been organizing this. After that, everything is going to be at the garage with my brother Derek Chase owns. So we have some amazing free events. Meet us at Druid Hill Park tomorrow with your son. Come out yes. there, pray with us. Be the, but what this time, has been going uh, what time on. Just, this has been going on for some time. What and time is it in the morning? Um, and is it so open to a, everyone? It's Dr. open Shields. to everyone as the sun. Check your check your uh, your calendar to see what time the sun comes up. Meet us at Druid Hill Park. Sister Eartha, who is who is our Harriet Tubman from Baltimore, yes, has been is. doing this work. You know, so bringing black men together, reminding them how great they are. As Chauncey talked about the chant, the other chant was "Long Live the Spirit of the Million Million Man March." So tomorrow, sure I remember that coming up. <laughs> Long Join live the spirit. Us. Long live the spirit, Coach Whitehead. We want you to be there. We want all the people that can hear my voice and then meet us at the garage on tomorrow for a prayer breakfast, where where everybody would get an opportunity to share their testimony about the march, and then the arch. Social Club, the largest, oldest black male organization that's still owned uh, in the country is there. So there's some great things taking place. But when people say stuff has not happened after that, again, I don't know who they're talking about. I don't know who they're talking about. But I know the circle of men and women who are in my circle, we hold each other accountable. Because remember, the Minister Farrakhan said it's the Day of Atonement. I remember. Okay, now I got to bring Doctor Shields. Let me bring. Um, hold on, let me bring Johnny Whitehead, uh, my husband, into the conversation. <laughs> Johnny, thank you for joining us. Can you talk a bit about your experience? Because I believe you were in the you in and around the D.C. area, perhaps at that time. Can you talk about your experience attending the Million Man March? Yes. Uh, well, good evening, everybody. Um, first of all, well, I came came that was the weekend I came home from uh, New York, 
and my purpose was to come home and go through the march. And at that time, you know, I, I saw it as a good, positive thing, you know, getting there, reaching out. And then just, you know, the things that I had already gone through myself, I said, you know, I kind of want to make amends to the, the, the trouble that I've caused people and the things that I've done to people. So I, I kind of want to get that right. Um, and, and at that time, I, you know, just gave my life to Christ, became a born-again Christian, um, and, and it was it was uplifting. It was good. It, it was it was you know fulfilling and, and everything. And I thought it was a good thing. Um, and but you know some things I did learn later on um, after that. Uh, I, I learned you know I also have to be very careful with who leads me. Um, I also have to be very careful with what rally I'm following, what what protests I'm getting into, and all those things. And then that was some of the things I taught our sons is that yeah, hey, not every rally, not every protest is the one, it may sound like it might be the right one, it might sound like it might be the right thing to do, but it may not be the protest that you should be a part of. We always have to remember who's leading what march. And as a Christian, for me, I always have to ask myself that question. Um, And I saw the impact that the Million Man March had, and I said, wow, it's amazing that we can come together like that. And now, under the right circumstances, why can't we come together like that every weekend on every block when we're all Amen. 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 You know, the right circumstances. I mean, we we should not even be in the same situation we're in today. And I know people will blame it on the system, but some of it is done by the very men who actually attended the march. Mm. You know, when you think about it, and and it's, it's sad to say, um, but I, I think sometimes we do have to, I hate to be the one looking at the negative side of it, but we do have to be accountable. And you just can't be accountable for one day. You have to be accountable for the rest of your life because so many young men are looking at you and are listening to what you're saying. And if you're not leading them the right way, we are part of the problem. Which makes me think, uh, Coach Chauncey, about the pledge. And I know we have a lot of callers. David, Jamila, I see you. I'm going to come to you right after we come back from the break um, with the um, with the guests. Coach Chauncey, Minister Farrakhan had black men take a pledge that day. Now, I read mm-hmm. the pledge in the first hour, and it was all about pouring into the community. It was all about helping to build houses and build businesses and build hotels and, I mean, building everything so that we can have our own economic infrastructure and base within our own community. But it was also about protecting the community, protecting the women of the community, protecting the children of the community. Mm-hmm. Have we collectively, black men collectively, have you been doing that? In your opinion, Coach Chauncey? In my opinion, I know that I have made my commitment to to protect my community, to uphold my duty as a man, to protect my black woman, to protect my black uh, young boys and girls. And then with that commitment, I have tried to to impart that wisdom and that, that commitment that I made that day to other young black males that have become men. I also, on that day, that's where... I decided in 1995 that I wanted eventually to become a fitness professional to serve my community, Dr. K, to help Mm -hmm. and and to do what you just talked about, even from the fitness standpoint, be the activist, a fitness activist to also help the health and the nutrition of my community. That is just as important as protecting my community. And I pretty much want to say for 20 years, I've stayed within the community, Baltimore, D.C. region, helped to protect and nurture and make my community healthier. 
Henry, I want to ask you. I'm thinking back to that pledge, the one that you heard, and you talked about your family with the Million Family March. I just want to know from you, do you think that young men, because you are of a different generation than uh, Whitehead Shields and Whitehead 2, uh, which would be Coach Whitehead. Sorry, Coach. You're Whitehead 2. Johnny's Whitehead 1. Uh, do, you think, <laughs> do you think, Henry, that, that young men your age are doing that? Are they doing the work that Minister Louis Farrakhan and many other speakers laid out that day? I have to go back with Dr. Um, Shields stated um, in the small in, in our circle of of men. I would say yes. Um, however, uh, young men, and I was just thinking about this today. Uh, if you ask the average young man that's under thirty-five, I would even say under thirty. Uh, anything about the name and much, they have no clue. Um, if it isn't wrapped in some type of uh, market, market um, com- commercialism or capitalism, they have no idea of it. And um, like your husband was just say, uh, stating, if this can happen that day, why can't we do this on a consistent um, mm-hmm. basis? And, 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 and I, I hold my fellow uh, men accountable because... At the end of the day, we, we can't keep making excuses for why are we in this because of that person, why are we in this because of that person or this person. We have to hold ourselves accountable. And when it comes to atonement, we have to atone for ourselves. You know, we have to own, we have to own and I preach this to my, to my sons and to my nephews and to my daughters as well, it's about ownership and accountability. Like, what role are you playing? Are you going to be a part of the problem or are you going to be a part of the solution? And that's what Dr. Mm-hmm. Shields has always instilled in us back at City was, you know, are you a part of the problem or are you a part of the solution? Um, and for myself, I'm a black captain of my block, you know, and I, I raised a whole lot of noise. You know, I was a, I became, you know, I wasn't the, the best 21-year-old, the best 22-year-old. However, I, you know, as a child, you did childish things, you know, but I grew up mm. out of that. So, you know what, I got to hold myself accountable. And now I'm a black captain, you know, I, I'm responsible for making sure that my block is that. held accountable. All right, and we got to leave it there for just a moment. Folks, when we come back, we still have Principal Johnny Whitehead, Dr. Lamar Shields, Coach Chauncey Whitehead, Henry Brim, and we have David and Jamila who've been holding, and we'll start with our callers when we return. Welcome back to Today with Dr. K. I'm Dr. K.Y.'s Y here. We're talking about the Million Man March 26 years later. We've had a couple of calls on hold. I want to go to the callers first, and I'll go back to our roundtable guest. David, you've been holding for a while. Thank you so much, David. And then we'll go to Jamila. Yes, yeah, first of all, thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. I want to say that um, the event itself was the happening. So I'm saying nothing happened after that event. Mm-hmm. The event itself was a miracle, first thing. Secondly... I attended the march with my, at the time, 12-year-old son, and I was take, excuse me, taken aback by how peaceful it was. Mm-hmm. They encouraged us all to pick up after ourselves, take the trash, and put it in the receptacles. I was joined by a former student of mine who had his son with him. It, by coincidence, the son was enrolled at my alma mater, Delaware State College, and he and my his son and my I and my son were just so taken aback by all of the wonderful vibrate vibrations that were being shared by people. So I'm so glad we're having this call 
I'm glad there are people now who I don't know, didn't know, still don't know, who can chime in and say they were there with me, even though we didn't know that. So thank you very much for thank listening to my conversation. Yes. Thank you so much, David. Let me go to Jamila. Jamila, how are you? Peace and blessings. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. You know, now that they're talking about, they want to know what's in people's banks, bank account. If you have more than $600 in your bank account, what would it matter if we don't make an effort to work towards these children in general? And it is imperative that all males and females come and give as much input as possible because this is the next generation coming after us. As a matter of fact, some of us may need transportation to get to these different functions that they may be having here, there, or the other. So this is something necessary, and I've already given you my phone number, but, you know, conversation is going to be limitless. But when you talk to me in person, it won't be limitless. All right. I look forward to it, Jamila. Thank you. I'll go back to our roundtable guests. I want to ask each one of you, uh, Coach Chauncey Whitehead, Dr. Lamar Shills, Principal Johnny Whitehead, and Henry Brem, I want to ask you all the same question. Do you think that the Million Man March could happen today? Is there a leader, a black leader, either a black man or black woman, that could actually call a million black men to come to D.C.? And to stand in unity, to to take a pledge, to lay out a plan. Do you think anyone has that kind of leverage? I want to hear that from each one of you. And I'll start with you, uh, Dr. Shields. Well, I would never put that pressure on any one person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like if we study history, we know as we look at as we look at the March on Washington, Boehner Rustin was the one who came up with the who, who designed that. Dr. King was the face, but it was tons of people. When I look at the Million Man March, it's the same thing. So there's not, this is a generation that does not depend on one individual to make a movement. So there's not one person that will make a call, but I think that there's a collective, and it should always be a collective of ideas, of diverse ideas from different walks of life, where they come to the table with their plan, with their strategy, and with the follow-up. Because, again, we want to celebrate the Million Man March. We definitely want to do that. But then we want to talk about what can we do next. So I think I would appreciate more of a collective voice of young and old folks, elders and young people who are coming to the table with a very specific strategy. Right now we have social media. I tell people all the time, you know, um, when, we, when, when the Underground Railroad existed, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook. <laughs> but, you know, our homegirl from Maryland, did her thing without any of that. And word of mouth is still the best way to communicate. So I would say put it on a collective group of strong-minded, well-intentioned individuals. All right. So, uh, Principal Johnny, I'll come to you next. And Coach Chauncey, I'm staring at you in just a moment. So, Principal Johnny Whitehead, do you think we could have a million-man march today? Yeah, I have to agree with the last gentleman. Uh, Yeah, it depends on who the leader is. And then, like you said, you can't put all of that on one person. And It seems that today we're so split up over so many different things. Um, You know, you you would anyone who's putting it together would have to have a menu as to what's being offered at Mm. the uh, at the march in order to get that many people together. Uh, You would have to be able to cover a lot of area areas with that. Um, So I think it could happen, um, but it, it would be under a lot of different conditions. Oh, that's interesting. And I come to you, uh, Coach Whitehead, and then Henry, I'll be asking you. I agree with uh, Dr. Shields. And uh, 
Dr. Whitehead. You would have to have a menu, but I think uh, the person that would be the chef working on that menu is still here, uh, Minister Farrakhan. I do believe he would uh, listen to a lot of the different ears because he's always had that type of ability to listen to some of the young people and to bring them together. So I do believe it could happen again. I do believe things have changed in the last 25, 26 years where uh, social media is here. But again, as Brother Dr. Lamar Shill said, you know, Harriet Tubman didn't have any social social media. But I do believe we could work together and as a, as a collective to make it happen. All right, then, Henry Brim, I'll end with you. What do you think? Could we today... I mean, is there someone in our community that could actually call a million black men? Even though the call started with uh, Minister Farrakhan, it was picked up by the work. Dr. Shields reminded us of who actually did the work behind it to make sure it happened. But do you think that there is a, a black man, even a black woman, who has the power to reach the voice, the presence to say, I want a million black men to show up in D.C. so we can have an honest conversation? Well, first and foremost, because we serve an awesome God, anything is possible yes. through the grace of God. So um, if, 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 if God sees that it is necessarily required as of today, then absolutely. Who, can, who that person may be, I don't think I will be able to point out that person. Um, I, but I, I, I think with, with, due to social media, our young people, I can speak you know, for my generation, we have such a short um, instant gratification mindset. Everything has to be done now. You know, we're looking for that now gratification. So I'll propose before we even attempt to get a million from across the country, how about get a thousand across each city to focus on the, the, that particular city and then, then let's gravitate towards that million. All right. Thank you so much. Henry Brim, who attended the Million Man March when he was 16 years old, he attended with his teacher, Dr. Lamar Shills, who was a new teacher here in Baltimore City, who went down to the march. Coach Chauncey Whitehead was based in Virginia, came up with his seven-year-old son, and Principal Johnny Whitehead was living in New York as an actor, came down back to his home area into D.C. to attend the march. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So, folks, we are just talking and wrapping up our conversation on the Million Man March. Tomorrow is the 26th anniversary special on the Million Man March. Do you think that there is a leader in the black community now who has the personality, who has the vision, who has the voice, who has the influence, who has the power, who has the reach to call for a million black men to come in the Washington, D.C. and to get on the same page. Give me a call. Tell me who you think it could be. We have Miss Donaldson next, 410-319-8888. Miss Donaldson, how are you? Hi, I'm great. I just um, I came in a little late, but I just want to give a comment about what happened after the Million Man March. At that time, I was working in D.C., and my sister was also employed at Howard uh, university and well she witnessed people black men coming from all over the world into dc to attend that march so it just wasn't virginia and california it, it was global but after the march what we noticed because we used to work at night that the black men were very protective mm -hmm. they would walk us to our car they i mean it was a different in the black men in D.C., and also in Maryland. It was a difference. You ha I call myself a foot soldier. 
and I un- and I witnessed the difference in the men that attended that march, and I just wanted to give them thanks. Oh, thank you so much for putting that out there. We're talking about the Million Man March, and we're talking about whether or not that could happen today. Could we have a Million Man March? Now, we have a couple of clips. I'm going to ask Justina to get another clip from Louis Farrakhan uh, from the Million Man March. I'm going to have her get that. So I want to hear from Farrakhan again uh, on Facebook Live, people are saying, you know, how about Barack Obama? I'm going to say, well, you know what? Mabel Mabel said Obama. She may have been talking about Barack Obama. She may have been talking about Malia Obama, maybe Sasha, maybe Michelle. I don't know. She just put Obama. I'm wondering. Now, I, I, I have my, my, my love for and my critique of Barack Obama. I don't know Michelle Obama in terms of the, the political light, right? But could Barack Obama, Barack Obama, who has in a number of speeches when he was president, talked about how we as black folks need to pull up our pants, get on the right track. We're the ones holding us down. And I'm not saying the new Obama. Oh, maybe Justine, I know it's Friday afternoon. Justine is looking at me. I'm, I'm maybe stepping on some toes. The new Obama, <laughs> the post White House Obama has on his Black Lives Matter T-shirt with Million Man March on the back. The Obama that was in power had on his brown and black suit, and he was talking about y'all need to get it together. I mean, I have, we have a number of speeches where Obama said, look, brothers, pull your pants up, get it together. Y'all, y'all need to stop doing what you're doing and pull it together. I said that twice because that's the kind of language he used. Someone said Stacey Abrams. I love Stacey Abrams. Does Stacey Abrams have the power? And oh, well, you know what? Let me ask this. Stacey Abrams calling on a million black men to come to D.C. to stand in solidarity. I'm looking at Dre now. Dre, do you think that the person that can call black men, should it be a black man? Or does it matter? It could be anybody. Stacey Abrams, is she the one that said, you know what? I want black men coming to D.C. I want a million black men to come because y'all need to talk. Y'all need to get on the same agenda. And she's the keynote speaker that day. We have Miss T on the line. Miss T, what do you think? that it would never, ever happen in this lifetime Ooh. again. Wow. All black men had too many issues. They're on drugs. They don't have money. They're in poverty. They won't work. They won't do anything. They want to sell drugs, live with their women. No, never, ever. So face reality. Face reality. Never, ever. Mm. Thank you so much, Miss T. I don't know, folks. We were on drugs back then. We were, you know, doing stuff back then. I mean, 1995. Anybody else remember what happened coming out of 1995? We were dealing with, you know, after the flood of drugs in our community, we were dealing with Newt Gingrich and his crime, his contract with America. We were dealing with the aftermath of the 1994 crime bill. Come on, there was a lot happening in 95, and we still came together. We still did. 410-319-8888. Could we have another Million Man March today? Or are we so separated, as Miss T just said, is it because we on drugs, can't get it together? 
Come on, y'all. Really? 410-319-8888. Tavon's on the phone from West Baltimore. Tavon, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I absolutely think not only will it be a million, I think it will surpass that. Okay. Quite honest with you. Because a lot of people always point out what the differences are and the negativities are about our community, but nobody's around when me and my wife and our, our friends who are all married, when we go to retreats together, nobody's recording that because they don't, they don't pull in the ratings, so to speak. People are attached to drama and, and, and toxic behavior, so they don't pay attention to, to the positivity. They want to see fight videos online. They don't want, they don't want to see people graduating college or playing a, a young prodigy playing an instrument. But I, I, I certainly think uh, it will be more than a million people. It will, it will certainly be more than a million people. Now, as far as who should organize it, and, and it's interesting. When you first said Stacey Abrams, I'm like, ah, that might, some people might take that as kind of a, a slap in the face, so to speak. Not necessarily that, but for the lack of better terms, that a, a woman is organizing it. So then I thought maybe it should be a committee of black women, like mm. Stacey Abrams, and, and people, and basically calling black men to be accountable. We calling y'all to protect us. Come to the table. Meet us there. Meet us at the million, million, million man march, million person march, whatever you want to call it. Have 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 it be specific black women reaching out to black men. We need your protection. We need your help. We need this. We need that. We need each other. However you want to call it, just get here. And then it can, it, it'll turn out to be what it was last time. I was in the ninth grade for the million man march, um, and I I wasn't there, and I remember it because. My father was still in prison. He was at he was already in prison for thirteen and a half years of my fourteen year old life at that time, which he didn't wasn't supposed to get out for God knows when. But ultimately he got out like five years later. But I remember, you know, I wanted to go, but my mother had to work and I'm like, My father's in prison and nobody that I know personally, at least I've never known, to be down there uh, at the million man march. So I think it, it, it now is the time. It, the word will spread a lot faster. We have social media. This is the one time I think social media would 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 definitely be used for some good. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So we have one. Tavon saying yes, we absolutely can. Jeffrey Van Brown on Facebook says, "Look, the bedrock, the black church has always been the bedrock of our community. Sadly, since the civil rights movement, the prisons, the cops, as well as the whole system has systematically been on a mission to destroy the black community, especially our men. Maybe what we need, uh, Jeffrey Brown, is we need another million man march. The question is, who's going to call it? Uh, Mabel Mabel said, how many black men are Trumpsters now and voted for him in 2020? Inside why they voted for Trump portrays a real reason they are backing Trump. That's a sign of the present influence of million of the million man march and that is why one is so badly needed there's also for the father that called who said look they're, they're trying to take my daughter away from me mo will said and kim fuller says look you need to get a lawyer get a lawyer as soon as possible and if you cannot afford a lawyer try to reach out to the legal aid they provide free legal assistance and will be at the pennsylvania library on the 19th of october from 12 to 2 you need to come to the Pennsylvania Branch Library on October 19th from 12 to 2 and get you some free legal assistance. So if you are truly not in the wrong, because we don't know the details of what's going on, if you are truly not in the wrong, 
get you some legal aid so you can make sure that you keep or get back your children. Linda Russell Curran says, look, too negative. Exactly. 1995 is not different than today. Let's go to John from Maryland. John, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, John. Listen, I think Farrakhan could do it again. And and let let me express this to you. I've been to a lot of events in Maryland. I mean, from James Brown's show to the Earth, Wind & Fire show. There has never been no event as spectacular as the Million Man March. Me and my son went there in 95, right? It is the most magnificent event I've ever attended in my life, okay? It shows the power that we do have if we get together, okay? Now, that's all i got to say, and, then, and let me hear the rest of your other comments. All right, but, thank you so much. 410-319-8888. Brother Bai, how are you? Good afternoon, Dr. King. Good afternoon. Thanks for calling. Um, two points that I'd like to express or consider and also be maybe an advocate of, uh, you mentioned earlier about who should organize earlier, whether it be uh, someone outside. I would say that if we're going to organize a million black men, we need to be someone of African-American descent, male or female. And I agree with the brother earlier that I'm totally down for to have a uh, African-American female to lead as well as a male. But anyone outside of the African-American to come together to be able to put us together and teach or bring about peace or whatever we're going to discuss, such as the previous events, it seems like it's uh, superficial or not lucrative. And then secondly, um, to also consider with the way we are moving now and the generations to come, do we need a leader? The days of the leadership, and we have seen leaders in the past operate to where we are in the present. Do we have to have a leader? Can it be a gathering of people just literally coming together on their own? to make it happen is the way you for moving now through social media and many other ways to consider that as a thought. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brother Bai. Let, let me ask, so, so maybe I'm a little bit confused. So people actually think, tell me if I'm wrong, that Louis Farrakhan, Minister Louis Farrakhan, excuse me, that Minister Louis Farrakhan would be able to call a million men to come to Washington, D.C. with the same kind of power and reach that he had back in 1995, Louis Farrakhan? I don't think uh, Sharpton could. I'm just saying, I don't. I think it would be difficult for Barack Obama to do so. If you're talking about having it stretch across generations, then really we need to have a team of leaders. Somebody from the Zillennials, somebody from the Millennials, somebody from the Geriatric Millennials, somebody from the Xers, somebody from the Boomers. Like, we need to have a kind of a, a panel of leaders. Um, Zora Simone says it should not just be one leader. You see what happens when white supremacy takes out that one leader. We become disorganized. Let's go to Gregory on the line. Gregory, how are you? Yes. So this idea of the march and coming forward, I took a look at some of the the information about the march. Um, I want to let you know that we mentioned Minister Louis Farrakhan and Reverend Al Sharpton, but Rosa Parks spoke that day. Maya Angelou spoke that day. Reverend Benjamin Chavis spoke that day. And according to President Barack Obama, he said that inspired his work, that, you know, these future generations of activists and political leaders were inspired that day to move forward. Uh, Here's the real problem. Someone said, look, the wealthy have gotten more wealthy and the poor 
have gotten more poor. 26 years later, we're still talking about the fact that the wealth gap has yet to close. 410-319-8888. Gregory, how are you? All right. Uh, Dr. K, I think that that would be, uh, Barack Obama would be perfect because we're talking about an organizer. You know, we all know about that. But uh, someone just to, to put the whole thing together, that, that's what's needed, it's, it, and it, as well as being another step for him. Because he's a long way from being done, and his presidency what wasn't what we all envisioned it to be. Okay, and I think mm-hmm. he's looking for something as well as we are. You know, if people are looking to, uh, your previous caller talked about people not looking into the positivity. And I think that's what's happening. We look at all this negative stuff, and this, this is all the scene. The positivity, people are looking for it. People just don't know where to start. And, and that's what's going on with it. And I think Barack Obama would be perfect. Do you think Barack Well, now, if we get Barack Obama, okay, so if Barack Obama were to call for a Million Man March, I think he would have to have, standing alongside him, younger leaders, younger black men that are able to speak to the next generation to get them excited about coming. Sure. But I'm not. I'm going on your previous callers. You know, I think we are all in agreement, you know, that it's not going to be one leader. So we're talking about somebody to organize the whole thing. And that would be Barack Obama. That's why I say Barack Obama. All right. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Let's go to uh, Ben from downtown Baltimore, and then we'll go to Emmett. Ben, how are you? All right. Hello. Let's move on from Ben. I mean, I think we have, is that Emmett that's on? Emmett, are you yes, with me. us? Yes. Okay, yes. so I'll go to Ben next. Emmett, how are you? I'm pretty good. This is my first time listening to your show. It's a wonderful show. Thank you. I might add. Um, I want to say this. I was there at the Million Man March. Uh, I, was, I was in my uh, early 20s. And I want to say this, that I believe uh, Miss Abrams, is that's her name? Yes, yeah, Stacey you know, Abrams. Yes, I believe she can do it. I mean, we as black men, most of us got our morals and values heard from our mother at the time when we were babies. I, I believe that the black woman, uh, when she know her power, the world could be her oyster. So I am more than willing to uh, listen to her and whoever she brings forth with this and, and, and bringing it to my soul to manifest inside of me. Because I do believe the reason why we went there the first time is because we were going through so much. So we can do it again. You know, and I, and I just want to say you have a wonderful show. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we can do it again. 410-319-8888. Ben's on the phone. Ben, how are you? Okay, can you hear me now? I'm doing well, and I can hear you. Thank you. Okay, good. I think it can happen. It's time for it to have another one. And I don't see why Louis Farquhar couldn't call together and, and combine with um, Barack Obama. And I'm trying to think of a younger person that would be ideal for the, the time, all three generations together. Mm. That, that, and Stacey Abrams can certainly do it. I mean, she, um, she has quite influence where she's at. And nationwide. And I don't see why, like the previous caller said, I mean, we, 
we we listen to women, and we had no problem with powerful, strong women. It's, it can happen. I was there the first time. I mean, I was up on the roof, and because uh, I didn't believe that it wasn't a million man, they kept trying to undercount. And we went up on the roof and photographed, and as far as I could see, all the way down to the reflective pool, all the way to the end of that, and several streets over in both directions. I said, no, we got a million plus here. So it can happen. Okay. All right, then. Thank you so much. 410-319-8888. Joanne Brooks says, I believe a conglomeration of black men with the same mindset can get the job done. Get Reverend William Barber, who we know leads up now the Congress of Racial. He leads up uh, the Poor People's Campaign. We have Roland Park, uh, Multimedia, Ta-Nehisi Coates, the award-winning writer, Charlemagne the God, the radio uh, host, Senator Cory Booker, just to name a few. Uh, Yambu Tutu said, look, more than a march, a true black agenda is needed. Not an agenda for the government to do on our behalf not that the government doesn't have that obligation but a list of things we do for ourselves abdul is on the line next abdul how are you very fine thank you very much um before i comment i would like to say that i know it is out of uh, love and familiarity that you refer to barack obama as barack obama but it is appropriate to afford him the respect that he deserves by referring to all former presidents as President Barack Obama. The next comment I'd like to make is that um, uh, uh, former President Trump has already broken the mold where presidents uh, normally just retire and, and, and go off into the, sub, uh, the sunset. I think that Barack Obama should follow suit and just go ahead and take, take, that, uh, take that cue and to be as active as he needs to be, as the times require. And, um, and of course, I think he would be the one to call more than a million people um, from, from, from across the spectrum, because we know that it, w- it, w- uh, it won't be a million black men alone that will affect change, but the kind of coalition and, and, uh, and the following that he has um, is the kind that can, that can bring lasting change. So we would see black and white out there on the mall if he did it. Okay, so you're, just so I'll be clear. You're mm-hmm. saying that even though uh, former President Donald Trump, I mean, he's still doing the things he's doing, um, but that President, former President Barack Obama could be the one to bring it even, even across generations? So, folks, let's be very clear. I'm just so on the same page here. Calling Barack Obama Barack Obama, it's not meant to be disrespectful to just call him Barack Obama. Like, you know, I just want to be very clear. I could go with his whole title, former President Barack Obama. I could, but I just call him Barack Obama, my forever president, if if I stand in that space. I want to end with Jessica's comment. She said, it truly hurts my soul and my spirit that black people are still behaving inferior to white oppression. God has given us the power through his son, Christ Jesus, to defeat the enemy. We have power, so much of it. However, we need to stop hiding, come together and stay together until we are on the same page. Come together and stay together get on the same page. Hey, folks, we're going to end it here for the week. We've had some wonderful shows this week, so look forward to meeting us on Tuesday, on Monday at 2 p.m. Monday at 2 p.m. to have another conversation that matters. Keep it here for two-way talk. After that, we have the Morgan News Hour, and then we have music happening tonight to get you into your movement. Uh, this is Today with Dr. K. I'm Dr. K. Wise-Y here. The show is produced by Justina Pollard, and our board operator is Andre Melton, executive produced by Robert Shahi. It's been an honor and privilege to save, serve you in this way. Save, serve you in this way. Serve you in this way.